You know, a few weeks ago, I did a talk on angels and a section was guardian angels. And I got a lot of emails. It was nice asking more about it. And they said, Father, how do we see our guardian angel with us every day when we make so many mistakes and, you know, people get injured or in car accidents? And but, you know, where do we see him? You know, sometimes we see him in the littlest things. Um, this, a few minutes ago, I was over uh, at the Marion Helper Center and I got involved in something and this has not happened to me before. And I completely just lost connection with my timing where I was, I was focused on something. And out of the random blue, one of the employees says, Father, what time do you have mass today? <laughs> And I looked at my watch and I said, now. <laughs> so, so that's our guardian angel, just uh, bringing the glasses. So Brother Alex, I didn't know where my glasses were. Brother Alex found them. So those are the little tidbits of the guardian angel. And the guardian angels are actually present, or the angels are actually present in the garden. And as Brother Jason, who's a great orator, read, you could hear in the words the importance of this account. Now, you know, the catechism, today we're talking about the Garden of Eden, which is the first reading, but you know, Catechism uh, 362 and 375 said that the story is, they call it a story. I, I like to call it an account, but the story is historical in content, meaning it is real. This is not a fable, it's not a fairy tale, but it is symbolic in description. That is what the Catechism says. So basically the message they say that's conveyed through the images is probably biggest is this, that the garden represents or symbolizes the state of grace. Now that's powerful when you think about it. Man was created outside the garden, meaning outside a state of grace, but God brought him into the garden. So he brought him in the garden to show that he was raised to a higher level by being blessed, divine blessedness, then he was created in the first place above his natural state. So what Brother Jason just read shows that man is the most important thing on earth in God's eyes. And so this is when we focus, God bless the efforts, I think I'm an environmentalist, I really am. But to put the focus of that above the life of man and I know they're related, but the direct relationship is where the church tries to show us the truth. So the connection is powerful here. And um, I learned in my seminary um, scripture classes about the connection at the garden. And I thought this was interesting. So I went back again, you guys know, to my seminary notes. Uh, it's, it's always fun going back because I, I forget these things. And um, it talks about the seminary as... It's like the tabernacle and the temple that was later to come for the Jews. Now, one, it was entered through the east. East of Eden. What, that was John Steinbeck, I think, right? And I think, who is the uh, James Dean played in a movie, right? East of Eden. Well, this is where man was. And, you know, that's modern day Iraq. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Modern day Iraq. Well, anyway, it was home to angelic guardians, angels. That's where I started this homily called cherubim. Then it had trees. This is all talking about the tabernacle and the temple area of later times. It was the source of sacred waters, and it was the place where God dwells with his people on earth. 
That's why the tabernacle for us is the place where God dwells with people on earth. This is our Garden of Eden. So when you go into adoration, when you go in before our Lord, and I know it's hard sometimes to always find the time, but we Marians, we have a minimum, a minimum of a half an hour. We try to do more. And I know sometimes I skate by with the minimum. This is really where everything, Brother Jason has said this a thousand times, that's where the source of everything comes from. It's the source of the sacred waters. This is it. You're there in the Garden of Eden. When you go to adoration, you're putting yourself in the Garden of Eden. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in the Garden of Eden? That's amazing. So for the Jews, the Eden, Garden of Eden, was the Holy of Holies. That's what it is for us. Like in the sanctuary, so you have the temple, like the church. Then you go to the inner sanctuary, like we have here. This is the sanctuary. And then you get to the key part, the center, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle. And this is what for the Jews Eden was. Eden was the Holy of Holies, the most sacred estate in all of what they called the cosmic temple of the world. So think of the whole world as God's temple. If the whole world is God's temple, the center of it was the Garden of Eden. That was like the Holy of Holies later in the tabernacle. And Brother Jason does a talk regarding that whole symbolic imagery and not just symbols. This is real stuff. Not just symbols, but powerful symbols. All right, now, you all know probably that there's two creation accounts in uh, Genesis. Now, in the second creation account, um, man is formed before the plant and the animals. It was in the first creation account that he was, he was formed before, uh, wait, am I getting it mixed up now? He was formed after in the first account, yes. So there's significance here. Is this... Father, this shows the Bible contradicts itself. No, because the first account was not meant to be in chronological order or the way that we understand things. God, remember, God's outside of time. The Bible's not written like that. And we don't read it as a, his, as a, um, as a science book. We read it as the truth. It's, it's a truth. And so anyway, as Brother uh, Jason read, God formed man. Okay, now... <clears throat> Here's the image the church fathers tell us. The image you have here of God is like a potter. And he's forming his vessel out of clay. What does a potter do? He meticulously takes clay and forms his masterpiece. And this is what's going on. But where does he get it? The clay comes from the earth. This is why people, when they hear Adam was formed from the earth, don't really think about that. So the connection is powerful because the Hebrew for Adam or Adam is also connected with the Hebrew for ground, which is Adama, A-D-A-M-A-H. So basically, we are putty in his hands. We are putty in God's hands. The potter takes the clay from the earth and molds it. God took the clay and molded into his greatest creation man. And so this is hugely powerful, but it's still symbolic. Now, that's why God formed Adam from clay or dirt with dust, symbolic of our mortality, right? Dust is on its, you know, it's, it's by itself not going to last forever. We need God. So then, Brother Jason, he breathed 
into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, this is basically what animates us. It gives us life. And it's what makes us a living creature like the animals. Now, you all know, may not know this. I didn't again till seminary. Do you know animals and plants have souls? Thomas Aquinas tells us animals and plants have souls. Father, that's heretical. No, only man has rational, immortal souls. So the soul is just what gives something a living, uh, uh, animates it to live. And so an animal's alive. They're a gift from God. Pets and plants are alive, but they're not rational. You can't give a plant a, a pen and paper and say, could you multiply these two numbers? They don't have the rational soul. We have the rational immortal soul. That's why man is the highest of God's creation. That's why as much as we should strive to protect the environment, the plants and the animals, and I'm all for that. Most of us here are, we should be. But the dignity of the human person rises above that. Now, does it mean, even though God made us stewards over the environment, that we can abuse it? No, no, no. So anyway, what's going on here? Man is unique. Oh, and by the way, when God breathed into man at this first creation, do you know the only other time God breathed into man was at the second creation? And when did God do that? When did Jesus breathe life into man? Yep, giving the gift of the Holy Spirit on Divine Mercy Sunday. Yeah, that's powerful. How's it called? Ruach? What is it? The Ruah. The Ruah is spirit. It's his spirit. The Ruah in, in um, Hebrew means a spirit. And, and Christ gave the living spirit to us. He animated us anew. He gave us that Ruah, that spirit to be alive again. We were a new creation at the moment of Divine Mercy Sunday. After the resurrection, Christ comes on the eighth day. And gives us this. This is beautiful. And Adam here was getting that first creation before we fell. And Adam was not created with natural or biological life like the animals. The animals were created with that natural biological life. But infused with a supernatural life. This breath. This ruah. Beautiful. And the graces and the holiness that came with us. This is why Adam was a son of God. And we are too, our sons and daughters. The only other time he did this was, was this huge moment after the resurrection. So it's powerful. All right, so the last things I wanted to hit on is the word garden um, is translated as actual paradise. So we talk about the Garden of Eden being paradise. Now it's funny because why do, what does garden mean? Garden means where things have life. You go to a garden and things are growing, they're, they're sprouting, they're growing, and how beautiful is this? So when Brother Jason read about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we seem to not always see the power in this meaning. And here's what it is. The tree of life was the ancient symbol of immortality, right? Tree of life, life for eternally, and divine wisdom, and its fruit of this tree was immortal. It had Everlasting life was the fruit of the tree, I guess you could say. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil was interesting. This was not an, a moral awareness of right and wrong. We get that at the natural law. The natural law is put on our heart to tell us right from wrong. That's not what the knowledge of the tree or the tree of knowledge of good and evil was. You know what it was? The legal authority to declare 
what is good and evil. That I am now, not God, going to have the ability to determine and declare what is good and evil. This is what the battle in our courts are today. How could man step up and say, I declare taking life in the womb is a woman's right. It's good. It should be allowed. It has to be allowed by law. We are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when we do that. We are declaring that we have the legal authority to determine what's right or wrong. God is not saying the ability to see right from wrong. That comes with the natural law. He's saying you don't have the ability to declare what is right and wrong. And so every time a new law is passed that is a violation of the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, or the preservation of religious liberty, which is a God-given right, we have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have declared we know better than God, and we will declare what is good and evil. This is why you can only have one truth. There is not multiple truths. This is what's killing our society. It's called cultural relativism. And I hear it all the time, even in my own family. Father Chris, don't push. I know we know you're a priest, but don't push your religion on, on our friends and family. It's not pushing any religion. It's standing for the truth. We can't have 50,000 truths. There's only one truth. It's called the objective moral truth. And God gave it in the Ten Commandments. He gave it in the natural law. And this is scripture. And so when we declare that no, we don't care what scripture says, we're going to redefine marriage. We don't care what scripture says, we're going to take life in the womb. We have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is what God warned us not to do because it will bring death. And boy, do we see that in this culture of death. Adam usurped that moral authority given to God alone. And Adam took that overstepping his bounds as a creature who was made in God to serve God and follow his law, not make the law. Now we need civil laws, but the civil laws have to be based on the natural law. When civil law is based on the natural law, society will flourish. When the civil law goes contrary to the natural law, we are doomed. And, and we have to have hope because God is here. He's guiding us. But that's all we have to do is turn back. Instead, what man did is he became like God. That's why the serpent said, you will be like him. Ooh, that's not necessarily what we want. We want to be like him in his image. We don't want to be him like him in the fact that we replace him. So here's what's happening. The first commandment was basically broken. And this is the power of the story and the message. Remember, the devil warned, you will become like God. Now, in effect... He was right, but in the wrong way. It's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Catechism. Go back to the catechism, 396. Man is dependent on his creator and subject to the laws of creation and to the moral laws that govern the use of his freedom. Remember, freedom isn't doing whatever you want. That's license. That would mean that if you're angry with somebody, you could just kill them. Uh-uh. That's not freedom. Freedom is the ability not to do what you want. Freedom is the ability to do what you ought to do. And what we ought to do is follow the law of God. Now, well, Father, how's that freedom? Well, the freedom to worship. 
That's how it's freedom. All right, I know I'm running a little long, but I think this is such a powerful uh, account. Now, we need to see from this that God is not our equal, but our Father, our Lord. When we were growing up in our family, trust me, I was not my father's equal. <laughs> there was no way that my father said, you know what, it's Saturday today. In fact, every Saturday was cutting wood day because we used to have wood-burning stoves. And every Saturday was wood burning, was cutting wood. We had to go out. I was, from the earliest memories I have, we had to go out and cut wood all day on Saturday to feed the, the, the wood-burning stoves. And there was no way I was going to say to my father, you know what, Dad, I am not doing that today. I'm going out and I have a better idea. I'm declaring that Saturdays are for me to play baseball with my friends down the street. That's what I'm declaring. <laughs> that didn't work. And so this is not God. He's our father, not our equal. All right. So anyway, why did God have all this? Why was this set up this way? It really, in a way, was to allow us to exercise our freedom. Would we choose to follow God or not? It's kind of a test in faith and obedience, right? Now, God said, if you eat of it, you will die. So basically, he's giving us what they call the twin sanctions, meaning there's two of them, of the Adamic, how do you say that? Adamic, Adamic, Adamic covenant, the covenant of Adam. And they are represented by the tree of life or the choice of death that it will bring. So basically, blessing or curse. This is throughout the Old Testament. You can either bring upon yourself a blessing or a curse. Now, what's the curse? The curse is mortality, physical death, eventually, and spiritual death, ultimately. So the blessing is life. Be fruitful and multiply. The curse is death. So ladies and gentlemen, when we make the choice for contrary to God's law, such as the taking of life in the womb, we have chosen death. When we choose, and that's the curse. When we choose life, we have chosen to support the dignity of the human person, and we have chosen life. We have chosen the blessing. What do we want? Do we want the blessing or do we want the curse? So finally and last, the Lord says to till and keep the garden. You know what translated that is from the Hebrew? To guard it. This implies that there will be threats to the garden. If they are to guard it, that means there will be threats. And the same verb is used in the account of the original language as was used later in the Old Testament. So listen to this for priests and Levites who were serving as the ministers as guardians over the tabernacle, the temple. Now, the rabbinic tradition here of the Jews sees Adam as a priest. I didn't know that for years. They see Adam as a priest and Eden as his sanctuary. This is a priest. This is the sanctuary, all right? And it's not to be defiled. So basically, Here's the bottom line, everybody. Even though we priests are broken, we priests fail in our duties many times. That's why we need prayers. But here's the way God set it up. God gave priests to guard the sanctuary of your souls. 
That's the purpose of the priest, to keep you in a state of grace. Remember when I started this homily? What is Eden? The state of grace. So the priest is to keep us as best he can, and that's what we're trying to, to do for you, to feed you as we do our prayer services, our masses, uh, our first Fridays, our first Saturdays, is to feed you, feed the sheep, so that we stay in a state of grace so that the priest can help guard the sanctuary of souls, which is basically the whole point of this whole message. Stay in the Garden of Eden. Stay in a state of grace. God bless you all. And thank you for being open to this message. Our feedback has been very good. We just have to understand there's deep symbolism here, but Adam and Eve are very real. The fall was very real. And so is our response. Thank you and God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.